0: and the DLF family—a podcast. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFT, and this is the Superplex Super Show. And here we go. Week four standard operating procedures. As a Broncos fan, though, Tommy, I got to be honest, I almost just don't even want to talk about football right now.
1: <laughs> as a Jaguars fan, I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we both had a pretty tough weekend, although like mine was historically bad, but like it was still that was that was not fun. Uh, and as a result, we're going to talk a lot about the Dolphins, and I just feel like I've got to put it out there right up front before we get into standard operating procedures and especially before we get into uh, our strategy talk um, towards the end. Uh, Like I am as much as I'm uh, a very unhappy Broncos fan at the moment, like my analysis is not going to be biased against the Miami dolphins for doing that to the Broncos. Like it's, Anything that – any any negative analysis against the Dolphins is going to be based on just like it's, – it's going to be a very pragmatic approach. I can separate these things. What I am going to have a little bit of a hard time doing is saying anything nice about the Broncos, but
1: <laughs>
0: I'll do my best.
1: I mean, it's warranted. And when we're looking at our own teams, what I'm seeing is I have teams that are just – totally underperforming or others that are really starting to round into shape. And there's nothing in between for me. I'm not sure if that's the same for you, but when I'm using these standard operating procedures, I've built up a really strong reserve and I'm filtering these players into my lineup now as we hit the level of injuries that we have and we're starting to get a little bit more clarity on who is a startable player, who is somebody that's outperforming their ADP and maybe who's become a mirage? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of my
0: best dynasty teams in it, like it's, it is kind of to a point where I can just kind of follow the, the standard operating procedures. I'll admit it's a little, it's a little difficult to get there, but like, once you get the roster build, right. Once you get the mix, right. Then, like this is this feels like this just a step by step process that I'm able to follow, and like you know, having Jerome Ford and Devin Hain already on my on my roster going into Week Three, like that's the, you know that that's the kind of the scenario where you know that this is like just kind of you know it's it's running the way it's supposed to, but yeah it, it 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 can it can get a little difficult just to get to that point. Um, just trying to understand kind of where where your roster is at at the moment. So let's let's just jump into some SOPs here and uh, start with make sure they're rostered. As always, we've got you for you, Josh Dobbins and Kyler Murray, uh, both for Arizona. And I mean, Dobbs just beat the the Cowboys. He didn't have a particularly good fantasy day. He did the week before in the loss to who they lose to the week before. But they uh, like he he had a nice game, a um, couple rushing touchdowns like there are fantasy points to be gained there. But kind of the big thing f- the, the here's my big takeaway, and I'm kind of curious how you're feeling about this as well. But it's it's feeling like this team isn't going to be quite as bad as people thought with Josh Dobbs and if they're not if they're not going to just completely tank the season to get that first overall pick like a lot of people were kind of predicting that means kyler murray's coming back like at some point this season they go back to kyler murray and you know start to kind of integrate him into this new offense uh like yeah, it just it 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 just feels like it's feeling more and more like Kyler Murray is likely to play a significant portion of the season.
1: I totally agree and I think that this combo of Josh Dobbs and Kyler Murray could really be the salve uh for what ails you on a Aaron Rodgers super flex squad. I think that sometimes the Twitter narratives of a bozo head coach can sort of take us over in ways that isn't productive to actually finding the players that are going to be helping us win a championship through these uh, middle weeks that we're about to enter. Because we've got bye weeks starting next week, right? The Chargers, Bucks, Seahawks, and Browns, we're not going to have them in week five. And so We can't be embarrassed to start a Josh Dobbs, um, and we should certainly be considering adding Kyler Murray to the end of our benches now because he's putting out videos on Instagram and he looks in great shape. He's saying he's ready to play as soon as his body will allow, and that's somebody that I want to have down the stretch.
0: I like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Like that's feeling like, and we talked about in the off season, we talked about kind of the league winning upside that you could get from Kyler Murray. The only thing is you have to wait a little while. And the big concern was that there's, you know, kind of some truth to the idea that, uh, that he's kind of just this like blacklisted, just like cancer in the lock room that <laughs> they're just kind of done with, you know. So um, yeah, like I said, the the more games Josh Dobbs wins, the more games Kyler Murray plays this season. I, I think that's kind of the the formula we're looking at. Uh Devin H. Make sure he's rostered four touchdowns this week. Uh if he's not, um he's gonna be a, a heavy wa- waiver priority for everybody. Um, and he probably shouldn't be. We'll talk more about that later. Tank Dell for Houston. Uh, we talked about him as a as an ad last week. Now it's time to just make sure that he's on rosters because this isn't going away. And Jake Fer- Ferguson is your tight end for Dallas, um, especially with man, they, like they just kind of don't seem to have a lot of options that they trust beyond CD lamb at the moment. And they lose Trayvon Diggs on the defensive side, which means they're probably gonna they're gonna be in a lot more positive game scripts for that passing game, uh, after the hit that the defense just took. Some players to add. We've got Jameis Winston for the New Orleans Saints. And man, like he almost made he was almost to make sure they're rostered. It's just that we had a little bit more analysis behind the Arizona stuff, but like that's the type of backup that really should have been rostered all the all along. Like you almost uh, to me, you handcuffed Derek Carr. I don't like to handcuff quarterbacks typically, but that was one that I felt like you've got a really good backup behind him. You've got a track record of mediocrity. like you've got a very good offense around him if he's not able to move the ball with that group of wide receivers. Like, I feel like the, le- the leash was going to be kind of short. Now we're talking about Jameis Winston filling in for an injured Derek Carr, which was always in play too. There are just, there were more paths onto the field for Jameis Winston than, you know, than, than most backups. So he, he really should have been rostered all along, but if he wasn't. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think, I kind of think he's the top priority this week. Uh, Brian Hoyer for Las Vegas also with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, dealing with a concussion. Uh, seems like Hoyer would be the backup, um, at least short term running backs, Elijah Mitchell and Ezekiel Elliott. So, uh, Mitchell almost, we talked about this last week that at some point, you've got to like you've got to to resist the urge to put the workload on Christian McCaffrey in year what is it 6 <laughs> for him like you can't keep giving him the same type of workload every single week you've got to start mixing in some Elijah Mitchell well they did it this week 14 touches role grew immensely he didn't even get on the field in week 2 and then he gets all the way up to 14 touches here in week three. They they know that that's the assignment here. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is just kind of – we, we almost didn't put him on here um, because his involvement is more, like, negative for Ramondre Stevenson than positive for Zeke himself. But the revenge game, this is a point that you brought up. They're playing Dallas this week. Man. Like I would not be surprised. This is it would be such a Belichick move,
1: yeah.
0: Right. I mean, th- there are two possible scenarios in Bill Belichick's world. One, it's nothing but Zeke. Just let him run it down their throats. Two, he doesn't step on the field once. <laughs> like, those are both Bill Belichick moves, big time. But, I'd
1: be stunned if he didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, it, it feels inevitable.
0: Yeah, the revenge game angle feels um, that it feels more likely, a lot more likely. Uh, wide receivers, we've got Jaden Reed for Green Bay, who's just kind of establishing him, himself more and more as a bigger part of that offense. 30% target share this week. Uh, Josh Palmer with Mike Williams going on season ending IR with that ACL injury. Josh Palmer has really kind of been the next guy up. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of temptation to go get Quentin Johnston, but Josh Palmer is very obviously their top outside guy at the moment. And then Adam Thielen for Carolina, two touchdowns heavily involved the last two weeks um, with two different quarterbacks. Uh, He's yeah, he's uh, he's going to be a, um, a big part of that offense kind of regardless of who's playing quarterback for him. And then the biggest thing, though, uh, I'm I'm actually going to let you talk about this one at wide receiver uh, because this is kind of your point, but it's a very important one.
1: Yeah, as as we sort sort of enter this part of the season, I am very much tempted to grab more wide receivers than I may need. I'll see a Jaden Reed on the waiver wire and think. Well, he shouldn't be there. I'm going to put a waiver bid on Jaden Reed and just stick him on the end of my bench. The thing is, super friends, if you do this three or four times, you're losing your roster construction that you were very intentional about building as you were entering week one. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to be starting an Adam Thielen or a Jaden Reed, or you're not anticipating plugging them in, let's say week five when there's a bye week, I would recommend letting your opponents spend big on these players because what is most important to you is starts and if you're going to be parking jaden reed and you're not going to be picking up let's say elijah mitchell you could be hurting yourself in the long run by adding production to the bench and not your starting lineup
0: yeah absolutely 100 uh, percent. and yeah i mean it also like you know part of the argument is you know, so somebody else picks them up and starts them. Somebody who actually needs them actually starts them. So, yeah. you know, by rostering them, you know, you're, you're playing defense a little bit, kind of you know, the, the whole thing with quarterbacks, with quarterback extreme, it's, I'd rather have the points on my bench than in your lineup Yep. wide receivers just don't offer, you know, it, it like, unless you get to the very top guys, Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, they're not offering you, a, you know, enough upside to really worry about. And, and not only that, even if they did, I mean, you're chasing that forever. <laughs> like there'll be another crop of wide receivers who look very tantalizing next week. So yeah, like it, you're, you're just constantly picking up wide receivers to keep them away from everybody else. And to your point, you're kind of cutting into your depth at other positions. Yep. So I love that. Uh, wide receiver only becomes a priority if you actually need starts at wide receiver. Um, tight ends, Logan Thomas. Um, he, he we're just thinking that he might have been dropped in some of your leagues just with the, uh, the concussion, um, last week and then missing week three. Uh, there's a, there's a decent chance that he ends up on waivers and then, um, Actually, the other one that we wanted to mention, I, I, I totally forgot, Chigekonkwo, kind of the same thing, I, it, it, but he's been perfectly healthy. He just ran into the best defenses stopping tight ends in the league this week and honestly just kind of one of the best pass defenses in the league. And uh, so if if he gets dropped because somebody's tired of the lack of production, The participation has been there. The routes have been there. So it's just a matter of time before um, that starts actually turning into fantasy points. And then Donald Parham, which it's, it's, this is typically the type of thing we like to fade two touchdowns, two short touchdowns, but without Mike Williams, you're kind of looking for some big body red zone targets. And it seems like when they get down around the goal line donald parham is kind of the uh the uh the top option so even though it's you know it's not a lot of yards it's not a lot of receptions it seems like there's going to be a a fairly regular fairly frequent trip to the uh to the end zone for donald parham
1: yeah and let's tear these guys out real quick uh james winston to me is my first priority and that's by a pretty long shot i want to yeah. I wanna see what he can do because the Jameis of old was an exciting player in the NFL and he was thrilling in a fantasy lineup. Um, I'd be willing to spend pretty heavily to get Jameis Winston on on my roster. After that, Elijah Mitchell and Zeke are the two players that I'm interested in. And then all these other guys that we've named, I'm considering one and $0 bids. How's that feel to you?
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, again, if you need wide receiver help, Jaden Reed, I think you go a little bit more aggressive than that. But, yeah, like if you're not looking for a starter off of waivers at wide receiver, like if if you just lost, you know, if you had a minimal wide receiver build like we always talk about and you just lost Mike Williams, yeah, Jaden Reed is worth a little bit of a bid. Um, But, yeah, only if he's going to start. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm with you. I think Jameis Jameis Winston probably, and I I kind of think it's around a 50% bid, don't you? Absolutely. Consider, yeah. Like you know, not knowing how long this injury is going to keep Derek Carr out, knowing what we do know about Jameis Winston, his first game against the Buccaneers, by the way, <laughs> revenge game part two. Uh, like there's there's a lot to love there. Um, and this could be, this could be a several weeks, you know, this could be a good chunk of the season where Jameis Winston is a startable option for you. That's gotta be at least 50% of your starting fab.
1: Yeah. And he could take the job and not give it back to Carr if, and when Carr is healthy as well. I, I think Winston could finish out the season as the starter. If the stars align.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it all depends on that injury, but, uh. Yeah, it's certainly possible if they start winning games and they get Kamara back at the same time. Um, that all of a sudden this offense is almost full strength and arguably full strength with the better quarterback in there. Yeah, even though Derek Carr's been playing fine, I just have never seen anything that wasn't just kind of mid <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's move on to next week this week though. Cause I'm actually really excited about a lot of these guys and I want to hear your thoughts okay. at the um, quarterback position. I put Carson Wentz down um, still without a job and yet His agent reached out to the Jets, and that situation is just imploding before our very eyes, and it's just a matter of time before someone else is under center, despite whatever Robert Sala says. Um, So he's someone to, to get on the back end of your roster, as well as Mike White. We've seen what the Dolphins can do, and in my opinion, McDaniel has built an offensive scheme that is very similar to what the 49ers quarterbacks were capable of, where you can just plug these guys in and get all sorts of crazy production, especially with the speed on that offense. And you added a guy that I'm also intrigued in, in Aiden O'Connell. If the Brian Hoyer experiment doesn't work, Aiden O'Connell showed capably in the preseason, and he could very much take on a starting job, um, at least for a couple of weeks in Las Vegas. Mm Mm-hmm. Moving yeah,
0: Aiden, on to, oh, sorry, go ahead. Aiden O'Connell, by the way, there's a little bit of a Sam Howell component to that from, from last year, you know? There's that feeling of, like, how long am I going to have to stash him? But then once once he actually gets the starting role, finishes out the season, whatever it looks like, whatever it ends up being, then, you know, you're looking at potentially a multi-year starter. So, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough wait but it's
1: likely worth it. Let's say you missed out on Derek Carr. um, Excuse me, on Jameis Winston with the Derek Carr injury. Let's say you didn't spend enough fab. You could buttress your QB position with an Aiden O'Connell with a zero or $1 bid and end up in a very similar situation in a week or two. Um, Let's move on to running back though, because I want to talk about Jeff Wilson like I said, we've seen what the Dolphins can do and that's a ceiling of 70 points. Apparently he can come back in two weeks. Um, And I am of the mind that Jeff Wilson will be integrated into the offense as soon as he can. And I want free production on the, on the Dolphins offense. I want to find it wherever I can. And right now the cheapest option is Jeff Wilson. AJ Dillon has been just downright terrible. And in redraft leagues, I could see him being dropped uh, this week because he's just not putting up any meaningful production. But next week, he gets the Raiders, who are the worst run defenders in the NFL. And I could see him being a spot start option if one of your running backs is on bye in week five. Um, Isaiah Spiller is another option. With Josh Kelly just not producing 11 carries for 12 yards, it might be time for the Chargers to look elsewhere in their backfield And it's pretty thin, to be honest with you. Spiller is probably the next guy up. Um, A more exciting option in Seattle would be Zach Charbonnet. His role has started to grow. And I know in helping some of my friends in redraft, he's been on waiver wires. And I've asked my friends to pick up Charbonnet because I could see him uh, taking on meaningful backfield production in tandem with Kenneth Walker, or if an injury occurs, he could be a league winner, um, down the stretch. You added a couple of receivers that I'm really interested in your thoughts on, uh, those being Marvin Mims, uh, for the Denver Broncos and Braxton Berrios for the dolphins. So I'll abstain from commentary and just and get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. So Marvin Mims, the, the big, at this point, Marvin Mims is arguably the best offensive player on the Denver Broncos team. Yeah. Um, the, the, the speed, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the threat as a downfield receiver. You know, they've, they've tried kind of the, um, the dink and dunk approach there. You know, you're completing, uh, you know, short dump offs to Cortland Sutton. He's turning into extra yardage and then he fumbles twice. Like, at some point, you've got to stop saying, "All right, like we've got to avoid the rookie because he's a rookie." And you have to acknowledge that the way to score points is to take the top off the defense, make them respect that, and utilize the speed that you've got with Marvin Mims, um, Braxton Berrios. It's a lot less. Um, it's a lot less solid. It's uh it's it's just very case specific here. R- River Craycraft goes out with a shoulder injury. Already, already were missing Jalen Waddle. Uh, Barrios ended up being kind of the the next uh the ne- in you know of the healthy wide receiver. I think Robbie Chosen got injured as well, but Barrios was still more involved than he was. Um Chosen got that 68 yard uh reception. That was his only target though. Uh, Berrios targeted a little bit more and seems to be the uh, the wide receiver too for them as long as Waddle and uh, Craycraft are out.
1: I like that. Mimson, upside bet. Berrios, maybe a floor play. Um, yeah. So good options there. And then at tight end, uh, we had Jelani Woods as a next week, this week candidate. To be honest with you, the tight end position is just a barren wasteland unless you're at the very top. <laughs> Apparently Sam Laporte is the real deal. Um, But unless you have the top three or four tight ends, Jelani Woods is as good a bet as anybody else uh, to hit next week.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think he's due back in week five. He's on IR. So missed the first four weeks of the season. So um, that's why it's a good time to stash him now before he comes back.
1: Totally. Who do you have
0: as drops today? I'm dropping Van Jefferson. And I'm dropping, dropping Deion Jackson. I'm dropping Deion Jackson because the Colts dropped Deion Jackson (laughs) because he played like absolute poo. I'm dropping Van Jefferson though, for again, a very, a a little bit more nuanced reason. Uh, It seems like they're putting Van Jefferson in the Cooper cup role. (laughs) Just to kind of just as kind of a placeholder. And uh, so that, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, kind of on the outside are really kind of establishing those roles. And then, you know, as soon as Cooper Cup comes back, Van Jefferson is just completely out of the way. It's just kind of a one-for-one swap, and you don't have to change any what anybody else is doing. So I kind of think Van Jefferson, I mean, he's not super involved anyways, but I think when Cooper Cup comes back, he completely deletes Van Jefferson.
1: I like those and I'll add another receiver to the pile of, of drop candidates and that's Rondale Moore. Um, (laughs) It looks like he did well this week. He had something like 16 points in a stock PPR format, but really it was a total fluke. He had four catches for eight yards. He had a touchdown run that bolstered his numbers. I'm, I'm not buying in on Rondale Moore. I think if you have him on your roster and you drop him, you can entice a league mate to put a big fab bid on on Rondale Moore and really just sabotage the back end of their roster like we were talking about earlier.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um yeah, man those wide receivers are just kind of low-hanging fruit for that type of move. Uh it's just so easy to get that one week out of them and then yep. drop them And like we talked about earlier, you know people chasing those, those previous weeks, those previous numbers uh, and just loading up on wide receivers and kind of leaving some running backs for you who are actually like, who actually have a little bit of a future. Yeah. Um, How about some players to fade? I'm so I, I, I'm just fading the Miami dolphins, like all of them. I mean, as the second most yards in NFL history as the second most points in NFL history, they don't have the Denver Broncos on their schedule again. So like if any, anybody who's going to try and sell you Devon, H. or Raheem Mostert because they scored four touchdowns or Tyree Hill because of his 200 some yards in a touchdown. And, um, you know, just, just catching every single pass for a minimum of 20 yards or whatever it was like, it that's the price that you're going to have to pay right now for a Miami dolphin. I'm not saying get rid of your Miami dolphins. I'm saying, uh, in, and in fact, sell them if you can get that type of price. But if you're trying to, if you're chasing those points and you don't already have these guys on your roster, I'm fading it and wait for a more reasonable outcome for us to chase.
1: I like that. I've I've got two guys that I'm fading this week. Um one is a wide receiver who has 91% route participation but only 0.74 yards per route run and a 16% target share, which for non-numbers butts that's not good. That's pretty bad. Uh that's Jahan Dotson. He's not getting it done. He's out on the field getting exercise um and allowing you know space for Terry McLaurin essentially he's been pretty terrible Jahan Dotson Um, He's,
0: he's stretching the field but it's they're they're taking a conservative approach beyond like having him run those you know those those go routes and those those deep routes but they're not actually throwing it to him like he's just there to kind of soften things so yeah like that and that doesn't equate to fantasy points
1: no, and Sam Howell is willing to be aggressive, as evidenced by last week when he threw, what, like four interceptions. Um, mm-hmm. But they it's just, it's just won't not let him. Yeah, and and at cost right now, you can move into much uh, better assets than Jahan Dotson. So look, look to trade him if you can. Another guy I'm looking to uh, get off of my roster right now is Evan Ingram, who actually had a great week last week and is the tight end four on the season. What is not being reported right now, and I'm not sure why, is he's been uh, hampered by injuries this season. His uh, his routes have been limited. Um, his upcoming schedule is just absolutely brutal. He does have two weeks in London as well, um, which throws up all sorts of red flags for me because those games are typically pretty terrible overseas. And so I'm looking to get out from Evan Ingram right now um, and move into a different tight end. What do you think about that one?
0: Yeah, I agree with that one too. It, I mean it, and it, he's just kind of, he's just getting absorbed into the tight end position. It's not that he's, you know, necessarily a bad player. It's just, he's just kind of turning into that nebulous group of wide or of tight end. What you, what, like, 12 through 40, (laughs) something. I mean, it's even higher than that. It's like tight end six through, like, or maybe even, maybe even tight end four, (laughs) all the way through the bottom of the position, basically. Just, just a guy. Super friends, Super Flex Dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL.
1: Let's go into some buys, though. Let's have a little optimism. Um, <laughs> I'll lead off with mine because I'm kind of thrilled about Michael Pittman. Yeah. Over the last two years, he's exhibited alpha tendencies. Um, he's just continuing that ascension. Typically, when you have a rookie quarterback, um, you don't finish in the top 36 at the wide receiver position. And I know we had Gardner Minshew uh, this last week, but through three weeks of the season, he's had 11, 11, and 12 targets. He's averaging a 28% target share, 1.95 yards per route run. Over a third of the time, he's the first read in the offense. He is just a stud. And offense be damned, quarterback be damned, he's showing out. He's a really strong asset to get on your fantasy team right now. Uh, I've seen him going for somewhere around a random future first in valuation, and that's a price I'm willing to pay.
0: Yeah. Michael Pittman, based on the number of quarterbacks he's had and performed similarly with, like Michael Pittman is the argument for wide receiver production does not depend on quarterback <laughs> quarterback play. Totally. Uh Alvin Kamara is a buy for me. Um due back this week from suspension. Uh J- uh Jamal Williams injured on IR. Um Kendra Miller not quite ready. they're 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 really kind of leaning on Tony Jones. And I mean again, like you're getting you're getting a field stretcher and Jameis Winston coming back. Uh this it's 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 an offense that's finally going to be at full strength and Alvin Kamara very well could be uh, a producer for you for the next several weeks. I'm not counting on him kind of long term, but I think that uh you know, a fresh set of legs coming in after 3 weeks is always going to be valuable. And then CJ Stroud, like I had him here this uh last week as well as a buy. I also had him his next year this year. And then he just goes out and gives you almost an identical performance uh, to the week before. He's on a trajectory right now, and this is a numbers but question because I have no idea. But how often have we seen a rookie quarterback quarterback playing this well this early and not hit in a massive, massive way, you know? Like to me, you know, like Pat Mahomes is kind of the analogy, except for him, it was year two. But like his first three games as a starter were,
1: it was along these lines. Like that's kind
0: of what we're looking at, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I would direct the super friends. You're going to hate this, John. Uh Uh-oh. But to Peter Howard, I asked this question at the beginning of the year. He doesn't talk
0: about quarterbacks.
1: (laughs) What does it look like to have early reveals on rookies? And he spit out all sorts of data that was super helpful. Um,
0: And so, is is there kind of a, a is there kind of a Reader's Digest version of that answer? (laughs) <laughs>
1: there is i don't have it pulled up but i'll oh, make sure okay. i have it for the next episode <laughs> uh, yeah no
0: that's all right I, in the meantime just assume that this is like uh this is an unheard of trajectory that like it it's it's that almost like at this point can't miss you know <laughs> like to I a point really where
1: about him. yeah
0: like we talked about this off air i mean i'm trading bryce young i'm trading anthony richardson And I'll add on to them to get CJ Stroud.
1: Yeah, man. One guy that I was stunned by, I assumed the bottom had fallen out for Justin Fields. Um, But apparently not. I was looking at trades um, that happened over the past 24 hours. And I was just stunned. Stunned that he is holding QB 6 to 10 valuation. You can move into Ooh. Joe Burrow with a small ad with Justin <laughs> Fields still. That's crazy. If you need any signal to get out, this is it, super friends. In your dynasty leagues, get out on Justin Fields. It's it's not that he can't turn this around. It's that it's unlikely and it's not worth the risk of holding him on your roster right now. So try to tear up from Justin Fields into Joe Burrow with an add-on running back. It's stunning to me that Roshan Johnson is the difference.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, and there's just kind of no, no like blueprint here, no path, no plan to fix this. They're just kind of finger pointing at this point. Like he's blaming the coaching. The coaches are going to blame him. Like it's, it's just, it's a bad situation there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Kenneth Walker, I'm selling, um, two touchdowns this week. I mean, great matchup. That's the thing. In fact, um, I guess we're not going to, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute, but Kenneth Walker had not been performing well until he gets just a dream matchup against Carolina. And it's kind of where the Zach Charbonnet next week, this week idea came from. Um, I, and I, in fact, I believe that we mentioned him last week. Uh, but now, you know, first of all, like it, it's going to feel like Zach, uh, like Kenneth Walker is a lot safer, uh, with his position than um, with his role than he actually is after the performance that he just had. Uh, typically this is going to be a little bit more of a pass heavy offense. It's not going to be such a negative game script for the passing game. And you're going to see Zach Charbonnet get a lot more involved, I believe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's move to the next year, this year, uh, players that we're targeting. So if you're a rebuilding squad, who should you be looking at? I was thrilled to get the news that Nick Chubb did not tear up his entire knee, um, just because he's so fun to watch, right? Like, He may have the best pure knee in football. Forget this runner business. His knee is apparently indestructible. Indestructible.
0: uh, All right. Can we, can we, I just, I have to interrupt you real quick and just throw out mine because we need to talk about yours for a minute. Um, Jordan Addison in next year, this year for me, he's finally kind of settling into a more sustainable role. All right. Back to Nick Chubb. His (laughs) knee bent freaking backwards like have we ever seen somebody actually come back from that i i and i get that it's just an mcl there's no acl there's no um no structural damage beyond that but like we saw it we like we actually saw this and like you could kind of see it crunch a little bit like well it uh like it just like like a pretzel in a bag just like See it just kind of shatter and just like fall, like disintegrate. It was just, it was so nasty. And I just have the, I I have such a hard time imagining that he ever plays again. He's also in a contract year. Well, not a contract year, but they've got an $11 million uh, cap hit if they keep him around. Like it's a, it's a, it's, they save a lot of money if they let Nick Chubb go after the season. He's in year five.
1: Yeah, he's 27. He'll be 28 in December. The thing is, the great running backs do it a little bit longer than the rest of them. And he's a great running back. And he has been so attainable post-injury. I I actually traded for him in one league. All I had to give up was Zach Ertz and Damian Harris. That's a bet I'm willing to make all day long. Um, I don't think that's a typical cost. But I would encourage the super friends to maybe send a two for one offer, offer some folks who are not in your starting lineup, but potentially producing this week Um, and roll that potential production forward into next year and just put Nick Chubb on the IR. It's, It's a move I've been trying to make in all of my leagues and I've got it done in one so far. Have you made any offers for Nick Chubb? I've been getting rid of Nick Chubb. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, I
0: haven't inquired. Um, I mean, I kind of think that you can, you can get him even cheaper than what you did. You know, like, I kind of think that there are gonna be a lot of people who think like me and see, I'm like his, his leg, essentially, like is like a, like a paperclip bending, you know, it's just like, that's, I I don't see how you ever play again from that. And in fact, I don't think we've ever seen anyone come back from that type of injury. So, uh, you know, I, I think that you're probably looking at like, I think that you could probably
1: get him for like a third round pick. This is the fundamental difference between myself and most rebuilders is I don't want to have a million flyers. I want to have players who have done it before, especially when a buy opportunity opens up. Mm -hmm. The amount that I'm spending on Nick Chubb to me is worth the risk because if I'm right, my rebuild is over come next August. You know, when I get players like this, I've anchored a position for as long as they're healthy. And Nick Chubb to me is a perfect rebuilding asset, if an unconventional one to the traditional dynasty market. Um, Because I want production next year. I don't want to wait 2 years to to rebuild my team and Nick Chubb is exactly that.
0: Yeah, I f- I fully agree. I just I just question uh the probability mm-hmm. of him actually making it back. That's fair. You know? Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's an interesting one. It's one I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more about throughout the season and into the non-point scoring season and throughout. I mean, kind of every time we get a little bit more news, we're probably going to talk more about this and see if anyone's changed their their stance at all. Some lineup hacks for you. Some First of all, some def- defenses to target. So the Chargers, 31st. So the second worst defense in the league is stopping quarterbacks. This week they get either Brian Hoyer, Or possibly Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe even Aiden O'Connell. So, best ball leagues, you definitely want to get at least one of Hoyer or O'Connell. Running back to Denver (laughs) Broncos. The Denver Broncos just gave up eight touchdowns to two running backs. (laughs) And uh, like, I can't even count high enough to tell you how many yards they gained between the three of them. Uh, This week, uh, Roshan Johnson and the Chicago Bears um, get to run into that defense over and over so big game coming for Roshan. probably Khalil Herbert too I mean they're they're very equal opportunity they're very generous with handing out fantasy points to running backs wide receiver the Seattle Seahawks are bad against wide receivers 29th going into the week Broncos, by the way, were 22nd going into the week. I have a feeling they're going to drop all the way to 32. They have to. Like, there's kind of no way not to. Uh, wide receiver, uh, the Seattle Seahawks are 29th. Best at stopping wide receivers. Not a great – it's not super helpful this week because they get the New York Giants. You got to pick who's going to be the guy. Is it Darius Slayton? Is it Paris Campbell? Is it Wandale Robinson? Not an easy uh, easy choice to make, but there are some fantasy points to be had against the Seattle Seahawks. And then at tight end, the Detroit Lions are 30th. They get loose. Luke Musgrave and the Green Bay Packers. Defenses to avoid, though, at quarterback, the Carolina Panthers are the third best at stopping quarterbacks. And a big part of that is because they cannot stop the run. <laughs> they are absolutely awful against running backs and so you end up with a game script where uh, the quarterbacks are mostly not really needed Uh, so this week they get the minnesota vikings you might consider just just see if you've got a better option than Kirk cousins just knowing what the game script is likely to look like against the panthers running back to tennessee titans are the number one team at stopping running backs from scoring fantasy points. They get Joe Mixon in the, C- in the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Wide receiver, the Browns are the second best at stopping wide receivers. They get a banged-up Baltimore uh, wide receiving core this week. Um, Zay Flowers going up against Denzel Ward is a bad matchup for Baltimore. They're also pretty good at stopping tight ends as well. So, but I can't imagine a scenario where you're benching Mark Andrews at this point. Uh, tight end though, the Saints are the best. They're the the number one team at stopping tight ends from scoring fantasy points. They get Tampa Bay and Kay, Kate Otten, who uh just had the best matchup possible against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't believe he did much with it, and now he goes to the worst possible matchup. So if you picked him up for a week to start him against the Eagles, you can drop him and uh, make other plans this week. Let's talk some strategy, Tommy.
1: Yeah, I think we almost have to talk about what happened last week and we have to try to contextualize it and so i'm I'm really interested in having a conversation with you about the crazy outlier performances that we just had um raheem mostert a <laughs> chain uh keenan yeah. allen i'm talking about 40 to 50 point scores at the wide receiver and running back positions i think what a lot of us nerds probably did is we Googled the all-time highest fantasy scores in the modern era, right? I I know I did. And you get names like Jerry Rice, Jimmy Smith, Jamal Charles, Tyreek Hill, Clinton Portis, Alvin Kamara. Like the greatest fantasy producers are also the greatest uh, single game producers. And then we go to this week, right? And I can't help but be confused is Raheem Mostert one of the best fantasy players of all time are we looking at Devon Achein as maybe B thoughts and sort of contextualize what it is that we just saw because for me it's it almost feels like when you see high tide right and there's all the kelp and shells and whatever else that you see. um, And then the tide goes out and you're sort of stuck with with remembering where that water was. And for me, the high water forward for the rest of the season and probably into future years to where if I'm trying to acquire a chain, it's gonna be a tougher pull because that has happened in the past and I will almost be charged a tax for the future unknown of if that's going to happen again. So do you think we've seen the best of A-Chain in his first real showing? Um, And if not, like what are your expectations for this type of a performance? Uh,
0: So, it, this one's also a little tough because it, normally I think that we could consider it a breakout game, right? Like we're not expecting four touchdowns. We're not expecting, you know, what, 170-some rushing yards or uh, all-purpose yards, whatever it, it ended up being, just absolute monster game. Like we're not expecting that ever again. But typically what happens when you have a performance like that, though, is the team commits to you for a lot a lot more uh, stable workload, mm-hmm. um, you know? And I think that that's that's something worth chasing. But in this case, Raheem Moster was just as good, <laughs> if not better. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's kind of like what did what did chain really accomplish this week with that monster game um, in in a week where Raheem Moster performed just as well? You know, Mm um, that's, that's kind of the, the tough part for me. It's, it's less about chasing four touchdowns. It's more about chasing workload, you know, chasing a share of an offense. And it, I I do, I just kind of, I think, I think a chain is a very good fit for them in a lot of ways. Saw a lot of inside running from him with a lot of power. That was gonna, that was a big question for a lot of people just because of his size. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with his ability to push the pile. Uh, that shovel pass that they run with him is just unstoppable. Um, so, you know, there's kind of a lot of... There, there, there are a lot of, uh, of, of good markers uh, to look for with him. But, mm-hmm. again, like how does he get Mostert out of the way? That's the big question.
1: <laughs> well, let's take the names out of it for a second. Cause we, we yeah. had a similar conversation with Puka Nakua over the last few weeks. So what are you doing when you have an asset that you invested in? Um, you know, people are getting a chain probably what, like the two Oh two was probably mm-hmm. a fair evaluation um, in the off season. And Nakua was a fourth round pick. So let's say, you've invested somewhere between a second and a fourth round pick in a player. And then they do this. Um, What, what are you doing in that instance? Are you the type of dynasty player, fantasy player um, where you're shopping that around immediately? Are you buying that type of a profile? Is it something that you want to get off your roster as quickly as possible? Like, let's just talk through the Ascension and what you do with that. Yeah. in in.
0: I, I think that you and I differ on this, mm-hmm. um, if I remember right. I think we've talked a little bit about this ju- with Pua with Puka um, specifically, you know. But like, it's kind of it, to me, it's kind of the same thing as as C- CJ Stroud. When you see this type of trajectory, even though it's a small sample size, when they hit this early, when the pro game makes this much sense to them, and slows down enough for them in their first two, three games of the season to me. And, and again, I mean, I'm sure that there's analysis that there there's um, there's data out there that probably contradicts what I'm about to say, but it feels like that's the type of trajectory that the hit rate just goes up immensely. And anytime we can get that, especially a puka nakua like in the third round like this is the whole goal right A wide receiver like the whole goal is to end up with the best group of wide receivers we can possibly get without spending a whole lot on them Um, and you know we want to go minimalist so we want the best wide receivers possible so that we can just we can just be done at wide receiver stop building
1: yeah let's say that Puka and A-Chain broke out in the same week, right? So we don't have the extended um targets that that we're seeing with Puka. Let's say they yeah. broke out in the same week. Are you more likely to send an offer trading for the wide receiver or the running back in this case? The running back putting up 50 points and Puka putting up let's say 30?
0: Uh running back for me. Mm-hmm. Um and I assume you're going to say the same, but d- just because you know, we, and we talked about it earlier at the wide receiver position. It's, just, it's the exact same thing at the top end, just because Puka, you know, gives you that one monster game in his first game. And there's there, you know, that does, I think, create uh, a, a a little bit higher floor kind of the, you know, career floor um, probably unlocks some career ceiling as well. Yeah. I you know, I still think that it's there are plenty of ways to fix wide receiver than to go buy the hotness of the week.
1: What you said in buying the running back goes counter to the vast majority of the dynasty space right now, or at least the dynasty space on Twitter. Yeah. We're we're hearing that running backs don't matter, that if you can sell any running back. For something near a first that isn't named Bijan Robinson or maybe Brees Hall, small mm-hmm. handful of others, possibly, you need to get out from these running backs. But what you said was you're you're mm-hmm. more interested in buying a running back who had this shooting star moment, this 50 point outburst. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think that I am more inclined to buy a chain today um, than I would a, a Puka Nakua or really most wide receivers, and I think that that is a deal that is more likely to get done. To be honest with you, I think that people are excited to sell running backs right now, and if you're hunting the right profiles, a third round pick who is in the Miami offense and who can do that that to me may be a worthwhile investment, even though the dynasty space may not agree with you.
0: Yeah. So part of it for me, the, the running backs don't matter thing. Like a lot of times that's coming from people who got it wrong at running. Back. Like, like, and and maybe they listened to us and they went JK Dobbins and Najee Harris. Yeah. And it's and it's not going well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Nick Chubb. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> man, our our uh our running back uh predictions just got absolutely destroyed. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had such a bad uh a bad string of running back calls. Um but yeah, like it, I you know, I I think that that's a lot of where that comes from. Um is the instability of running back. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that you counteract the instability at running back that we're talking about where everybody's everybody's uh you know, not everybody, but kind of the the compulsion is to set it and forget it, to get those two big name guys and just leave them in there and assume that they're going to they're going to win you a championship because Tommy B and the SFD said that, you know, th- th- these are the two guys who are going to finish one, two at running back. Yep. You know, the way to counteract that is to, to be loading up on running backs wherever you can. Now I don't want to pay up for Devin a chain right now, but I'm more likely to, I would do that before I would pay up for Puka Nakua just because, you know, so You know, a a big part of this is to get all the way down to the basics of what it takes to score a fantasy point, you know? like Obviously, it starts with making a 53-man roster. But then you have to get on the field. You're not going to score points from the sidelines. Already, we've, we've identified a massive advantage for wide receivers because there's two, three, four of them on the field at a time. They don't have to overtake somebody ahead of them to get on the field. Whereas the running back, like I said, Devin A-Chain, how does he get Raheem Mostert out of the way? And that's kind of inhibiting for his for his production. So, you know, the the fact that we still don't, after four touchdowns and 200-some yards all-purpose, we still don't know what Devin A-Chain's role is going to be, that tells me that, you know, the the running back position is that much more important um, because it's that much harder for them to get into a position where they can score those points.
1: Well, not only that, I looked at the start rates of A-Chain this week. Do you want to guess <laughs> what percentage of, guess how much he was rostered, um, and then guess how much he was started in a typical redraft league?
0: I think you told me this one. It was something like ro- only rostered like 18%. Yep. I don't remember the start rate. I'm going to let you unveil that one 0.7%. I, know- <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was less than 1%. But so yeah.
1: one out of five leagues had him rostered. And then mm. out of that 99 out of a hundred weren't putting him in the lineup anyway, so those 50 points, they don't exist. They they never happened in most dynasty leagues. And so this is your opportunity to get the first meaningful points from A-Chain, you know, like (laughs) trading for him, putting a max bid on waivers, um, finding, finding a way to get him on your team and in the lineup. Those are the first points that anybody's going to, going to ever get from him. The 50 points didn't count for most of us.
0: Yeah. The other thing that Devin A-Chain kind of does for you. Um, it, it, and it's, it's a little bit of, a, um, it's a little bit of a, like a carrot and stick type of thing. We're kind of talking about the stick right now. Yeah. Like you kind of learned your lesson about getting out in front of the, of the running backs before they hit, you know? Um, so, you know, on next week, this week, when we're talking about Zach Charbonnet and Isaiah Spiller, it's like it, it, not the not that they're ever going to get you a give you that four touchdown game, but I mean, get them. You at least want them on the roster before that happens, because now, yeah, like there are going to be a lot of trades for Devin chain. It's horrible, horrible process, but there are going to be a lot of people trading for Devin chain and paying way up chasing what he just did, and there are going to be people who are willing to do that when Charbonnet does it. Or, or you know, or uh, uh, Isaiah Spiller or Kendra Miller, you know, Ty J. Spears. Like at some point that's coming for those guys as
1: well. And I wonder um, what those deals are actually going to look like. Whereas the, the move that I'm most likely to make is to get Jeff Wilson on my team because mm-hmm. everybody who runs behind that Miami offensive line in that scheme does pretty well. I mean, if you look through the stat line over the past couple of years, it's incredible who's put up five yards of carry in that offense. And I would prefer not to spend, what, a first round pick, maybe plus for A-chain this week. I'd rather spend a third or a fourth round pick on Jeff Wilson and just wait my turn. Yeah,
0: and if you if if that first is really kind of burning a hole in your pocket because that's something we've kind of talked about strategically as well, selling first mm-hmm. round picks. Um like I think at this point in the season you can start to see the ones that are that are going to start to trend down as, as start to lose some value as that team holding that pick performs well, you know. Yeah. So uh yeah, like if 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 you really want to move that first. I think that the better move is to get multiple guys who have the same basic profile as Devin a chain, but haven't done what Devin a chain just did. Like, I think you can get like two or three of those guys. I think you can for a first round pick. I think you could probably get Isaiah Spiller, Zach Charbonnet and Deuce Vaughn, you know,
1: Oh, totally. And uh, my immediate thought was what do I have to do to get Jameer Gibbs off of this, this bump in value for a chain and Gibbs hasn't really broken out yet. I'm wondering, I mean, what would you add to a chain to get to Gibbs? Not much, right? Yeah, I wouldn't imagine you have to add much of anything, if
0: anything. The other thing uh, they Gibbs just had a pretty rough game this Mm -hmm. week. Um, and it's because he wasn't nearly as involved in the passing game as he typically would be. So David Montgomery coming back, the, the this is, this is uh, like, this is the all time plot twist. I didn't see this coming. David Montgomery coming back actually helps Jameer Gibbs produce <laughs> <laughs> in the way that's, that he organically produces.
1: Here's the so, thing. If A-chain was a second round pick, I don't think I'd be considering a swap to Gibbs, a, a quote unquote, tear up to Gibbs, mm-hmm. but the draft disparity gives us a first round pick, a high first round pick and a chain was a late third round pick. I think he was the 21st pick in the third round or something like that. Um, that mm-hmm. matters to me. Still, we are not far far enough along in their careers for me to discount the draft capital conversation Um, So it it is a move that I still would make. I would try to find my way from a chain into Gibbs if I could find a a fairly lateral way to do it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, stay within the running back position. If you're Mm going to, if you're going to sell Devin a chain, keep it within the running back position. Don't use it to upgrade quote unquote, upgrade wide receivers because all you're doing is you're just leaving value on the table. Totally.
1: Any other thoughts around value spikes, um, what you're doing in those types of weird outlier situations? I'm not talking about just like a yeah. good week. I'm, I'm talking about what happened this last week where, I mean, we nobody could have ever predicted this type of a production. 70 points hasn't happened in what, 60 years. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, individual case basis A little bit too. Um, Like I said, I mean, I think that this represents a breakout for Devin A. Chain uh, that probably solidifies him a little bit more involvement in that offense. So that makes it, that's worth buying, you know, the Puka Nakua breakout I think is, is worth uh, at least holding, probably not buying. I think the price is going to be a little too much um, considering what you're going to get in return but certainly worth holding and worth chasing. Um, Same with CJ Stroud. I don't know that you want to, I, I think that's one. I do think you want to buy high Mm -hmm. Um, and you want to chase that profile. Uh, Keenan Allen though, what is he in year, year 10, something like that. He's he's been around for a while now and uh, he just had a career game most targets, most receptions of his entire career. Like that one's pretty easy. It took him 10 years to do it. It's going to take him at least 10 years to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So you certainly don't chase that, you know, (laughs) like that doesn't signal any, any particular upside.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but you, you just love having Keenan Allen on your team, right? You've acquired him cheaply. And here he is, the wide receiver one on the week, right? So as we move through this season and into the non-point scoring season next year, it may not be Keenan Allen you're looking to acquire, but try to find one of these guys that's done it for 10 years straight and is likely to do it again, because next year in 2024, you know, Devontae Adams could be a discounted uh, veteran wide receiver on his third team in three years. and all of a sudden he puts up a 50 burger, you know? Yep. Yep.
0: Perfect bow on that conversation, I believe. So there's your strat. There's your standard operating procedures for the week. All that's left is for you to go and execute. Uh, Tegan Quatoriano had one target, did not catch it. Um, (laughs) He's still getting mentioned until this freaking happens. (laughs) i saw you on mute i was i, I, I saw
1: him get his target and i made a note because i was so happy for you that a he's a real human who exists and b a football <laughs> was thrown his way
0: <laughs> So we, we have confirmation that i didn't just make this person up so that's a that's a start uh next step is for him to not get vultured by brevin jordan that was my thought when brevin jordan scored a touchdown. I was like, that was, that was Tegan's. give it back. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's wrap this one up for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts, mega and get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. Once you're subscribed, if you'd give us a rating and review that really helps us to get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation. And from there, we can really drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. We're on X. <laughs> like, the, the social media platform, not the drug. <laughs> if, if, we, if we ever do this uh, under the influence, we'll tell you before the, <laughs> before the episode, not uh, at the very end of the episode. We're on X. I'm at Superflex, dude. He's at FF Tommy B. Uh, Always happy to um, talk in DMs if you want to hide from the league. uh, Retweet trade polls. Um, I I respond to ads just just as well. uh, The mentions is just as well. It's just it's going to be a little bit more public. But if you're all right with it, I'm good with it. And uh, what else? This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus three years without you my friend and it has been it, 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 it they say time heals all, all wounds not all of them trust me still think about my former partner uh, every day miss you james thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexible